0: to BookNet Canada's podcasts. I'm Kitty Yao and I'll be your host for this month's episode. You may have heard the phrase, the golden age of television, or the era of peak TV in the past few years. The former is identified by Wikipedia, everybody's favorite unreliable internet source, as the time period beginning from the new millennium to present day. Whereas the latter was coined by John Landgraf, the chief executive of FX Networks, as he cautioned against the ability, or inability, to sustain production of such a high level of creative content for both viewers and creators alike. That was in 2015. And here we are now in 2017 you don't need me to tell you that the vast interest and involvement with television is best represented by the behemoth that is Game of Thrones. Based on the fantasy series by George R.R. R. Martin, season seven, which will have just ended by the time this podcast is released, has been breaking and setting ratings records week after week. In fact, television has become such a force that even Hollywood movie studios are running scared. Rumor has it that season two of Netflix's Stranger Things, set to release October 27, 2017, has led Paramount to reschedule the releases for Mother, starring Jennifer Lawrence, and an untitled third Cloverfield movie, both of which were originally set to be released in October of 2017. Without a doubt, television is on our minds and in our line of sight. And thus inspired by the countless fantastic television shows which keep us up all night long, we decide to explore the influence of television adaptations on their source materials, the books they're based on. Of course, we can't begin without an explanation of our simple methodology. Focusing on season one of nine television shows, including The Handmaid's Tale, American Gods, 13 Reasons Why, A Series of Unfortunate Events, Hannibal, Outlander, The Schnera Chronicles, The Leftovers, and Little Big Lies, We identified the books that they were adapted from. Then, weekly sales units of the print editions were identified and compared for a 24-week period, exactly 12 weeks prior to and including the Canadian premiere date of the series, and then 12 weeks immediately following the premiere. We took this 24-week period and compared the numbers to the same timeline exactly one year prior. For television shows adapted from series, such as Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events, we focused on the books that the adaptations are specifically based on. In this case, the first four titles in the series, not all 13. Need more information? Check out our graphs and additional details on our methodology in our accompanying blog post. On to our results. Was there an influence? The short answer is a resounding yes. Not only did all of the adapted books we looked at see an increase in sales compared to the same time frame one year prior, but all the titles also experienced a positive percent change following the premiere week. These sales were uncharacteristic to the overall market during the season, meaning that they were likely influenced by the release of the television adaptation. Specifically, American Gods and the Shannera Chronicles both saw sales peaking the week of the premiere date, whereas all the other titles, with the exception of a series of unfortunate events, observed peak sales several weeks following the premiere date. Now why is this the case? Do people wander into bookstores looking to buy the book for an adaptation they've seen? Evan Munday, children's author and community manager at Type Books, has his thoughts.
1: I mean, they'll ask for books that are TV adaptations. It's not that people come in and say, oh, I saw this television series. Is there a book that it's based on so much? It's more that people are coming in talking about looking for books that they wouldn't be... I mean, if 10 people come in on on a week looking for, like, The Handmaid's Tale, whereas before the... Like, a year before, no people or maybe one person, obviously it's the TV adaptation that's bringing those people in. Or maybe a few other things, but, like, usually it's them. But uh, at our store, at Type, it's like very particular. So like the people that are coming for adaptations, it tends to be pretty particular. So it's not, like I said, like not a lot of people came in looking for 13 Reasons Why. Not a lot of people came in looking for a series of unfortunate events. A ton of people came in looking for The Handmaid's Tale. Um, uh, Outside of TV, like even movies, they're not necessarily the ones that were kind of the biggest movies, so we had a lot of people coming in looking for My Cousin Rachel, which is a Daphne du Maurier book and like not a huge movie by any stretch. Um, We had a ton of people coming in looking for, I mean we put it front and center too, but um, the book uh, I Am Not Your Negro by James Baldwin, a ton of people at least among the audience that comes in to type saw the documentary and kind of came in interested about James Baldwin, but also that book, but also his other works as well. Um, So, I mean, there are people that come in uh, looking for certain adaptations, for sure.
0: Inversely, do retailers increase discoverability by placing specific publicity efforts around adapted titles?
1: Uh, Typically, Type does not do overly elaborate sort of marketing or publicity around books that have recently been adapted into television programs. Uh, I mean, we'll do kind of minor things. Usually if a book is, or a book is, the adaptation is just about to come out, we'll put the book kind of, maybe we'll put it out on display where it's been kind of spying out before that point. So we might put them face out on the shelf or we might even put it out on a display table just based on the fact that people are talking about this book again or people are interested in that book. And that's usually kind of as far as it goes for the most part. Uh, Later this summer, one thing that I've suggested to types owners is that for most of the summer, we've had kind of a Canada display with a lot of Canadian books. And closer to the end of the summer, what I've suggested us doing is doing a display of brand new and upcoming TV and film adaptation books. So, a lot of the TV adaptations, things like things that have just come out, so like The Glass Castle, uh, but also stuff that's coming out that people are talking about, so things like It. Uh, I mean, a lot of them are movies, Murder on the Orient Express, but also television shows like Alias Grace, uh, Sharp Objects. Uh, So we're hoping to have a display of stuff because that is something that people come in and ask for.
0: Several titles, such as The Handmaid's Tale and American Gods, saw sharper increases in sales approximately one to two months prior to the series' premieres. Is this due to the need to read it first?
1: There are, like, two people, or two kinds of people, that come in and some of them are really insistent on reading it first. Uh, But I would say just as often or more often people get intrigued by the show and then wanna see the source material afterwards. Um, Yeah, it really depends. I think it, I would say among juvenile readers, I think a lot of them come to the material through the TV show or the, in some cases, movies first. So a lot of times, like a series of unfortunate events or Thirteen Reasons Why, they'll see the show and then come in the store to see like what the book it's based on. Or if they're looking for a book, a lot of times what happens is their kids who come into the store and they don't know what to read next, right? Or oftentimes they don't really read very much at all, and so their parents are like, "No, you got to get a book." And so they'll see something like, "Oh, I recognize that from TV," or "Recognize, I watched some of that and it was pretty good, so let's maybe it's the, the book will be similar." Um, I think a lot of adult readers tend to want to read the book first, so you see a lot of people like, uh, the Hymnysale just started, and I I need to read the book before it gets too far along. And it's like, I don't know, I don't know why, but people feel that way.
0: I confess, I'm one of those adult readers who have fallen into the read-at-first pit. I finally read American Gods after hearing about the series premiere in Canada, having put it off for years whether or not my experience with the television series was disappointing remains to be seen because I actually haven't watched it yet. Would that have changed if I hadn't read it first? Possibly. Evan has his thoughts.
1: Almost any book you read, you're always disappointed by the adaptation afterward, or is it the other way around, there are books that I've enjoyed a lot because I saw the movie first, and I liked the movie a lot. And then I read the book, and I was like, oh, that was good, too. It was very different. But I feel like if I'd come to it the other way, I would have been disappointed by the book. Um, so I think it's kind of interesting that people find it really important to read the book first, uh, whereas I think it ends up being a more disappointing experience <laughs> once you watch the thing versus the other way around where you can see, like, if the book is, like, obviously the source material, so I guess that's closer to the initial artist's vision, you see the adaptation and then you see the book, I think it's kind of a better experience for you as a person enjoying those things, but people want to read the book first. Because I think most people want to go in, people want to be knowledgeable, right? Like it's the same reason people go to trivia nights and people read books, I think, half the time in the first place is that so they can feel knowledgeable about something. So going into a book and being able to be like, oh, they, they left out this character, or oh, they skipped this part. I wonder why they did that. That kind of like gives you something to talk about after it, with your friends, and that kind of thing.
0: Interestingly, Red Dragon and Hannibal, the two books which the television series starring Mads Mikkelsen and Hugh Dancy is based on, saw the lowest number of units sold in the 24-week period surrounding the series' premiere, despite experiencing a 137.5% change. We wonder if this is a result of the book being a thriller. Of the nine series we looked at, it was the only that fell in that category. And as a result, there might be potentially more interest in pursuing the plot. And then there are the juvenile series. Are viewers similarly moved to purchasing books after they watch a series such as 13 Reasons Why or a series of unfortunate events?
1: I think that uh, this is weird and I don't really understand why, but I feel like there's a real difference between some of the adaptations of like juvenile YA literature versus adult ones. Like I find a lot of people are going to see adult stuff and then wanting to read the book afterward. And I don't, at least at our store, like we brought in a lot of 13 Reasons Why. I did not see, like we sold some, but it wasn't like a huge pickup as opposed to some of the other. And there are a number, there could be a number of reasons for that. But I think a lot of it was like, 13 Reasons Why gave up everything in the show. Like you saw, it was 13 episodes. I'm like, I don't know what they could have left out. Whereas other stuff, it's kind of like, oh, I'm sure they left and changed things. Mm -hmm. Handmaid's Tale, it's now over, years old so obviously some things were changed to sort of match the times Um, but I think like there's not in some cases even with a series of unfortunate events I feel like people see it and don't feel the need to go to the book always uh, because a lot of what is in the book has been portrayed pretty faithfully on the screen Um, I mean I think the exception is Harry Potter where it seems like even still there are kids who are not born when Harry Potter first came out who are going to it because they saw the movie and now want to read the whole the whole story. Because, I mean, they do leave a lot out in those books because they're not TV series. they're Some of them get long, but they're, like, generally two-and-a-half-hour movies, and those books are pretty thick, so there is stuff that gets glossed over. Yeah. And I imagine a lot of it has to do with, like, the prestige of the show. Like, I think that Handmaid's Tale was really pushed as, uh, you know, like, important TV, like, along the lines of, like, a Mad Men or, or Breaking Bad, whereas 13 Reasons Why... I would say, I mean, I think they pushed that it was important. They didn't want to make it seem like it was a crass exploration of suicide. But at the same time, it was marketed to a very different audience. And like, I don't think most teens really care if it's based on a book or, or not.
0: Although type did not see a huge increase in sales for 13 Reasons Why, our data for the majority of the Canadian market shows otherwise. 13 Reasons Why actually experienced one of the highest percent changes out of all the titles, with sales increasing steeply immediately following the premiere, which essentially was the same thing as the entire release of the show. Of course, buzz surrounding the show blossomed immediately following this release, especially surrounding its depiction of mental illness and suicide. The steep increase could also be attested to a lack of knowledge surrounding the title until it was released.
1: As well, there are a lot of adaptations that don't Telegraph that they were a book first and I think that's a good, like Handmaid's Tale definitely because uh, also at the, it's arguable that the Handmaid's Tale was just as well known as a book before the TV series and 13 yeah. Reasons Why, I mean it was when it first came out a bit of a phenomenon but it also came out I think 10 years ago and I think it's uh, Notoriety or sort of acclaim or interest has kind of waned until the TV show came out. But yeah, it wasn't obvious. I mean, unless you were super interested in the show, you wouldn't have known that it was based on a book. And I think there are other ones like that. I mean, some of them are not, like there's the upcoming adaptation of Alias Grace and that also to anyone in Canada knows. That's a Margaret Atwood novel for the most part. But uh, there are other sort of TV adaptations of books that are kind of like, oh, I had no idea that it was based on that.
0: Of course, we can't talk about television without talking about Netflix. Does the simultaneous release of a television series have an influence on a viewer's decision to purchase a title compared to a TV series that's released episodically?
1: Personally, I'm a bigger fan of the, like, slower release. Uh, And I think, like, even on Netflix they've started doing some shows that way. Like, I think of, uh, usually it's co-productions where they're actually showing on TV as well. So I think of something like Riverdale where it was on Netflix. But at the same time, you had to wait every week to watch it unless you waited till the end and you could like binge them all. But I think it also gives the show some momentum to build and makes it more of a phenomenon and gives it more time to kind of grow in the public consciousness, sorry, consciousness, so that people start talking about it, that people are like writing think pieces about it, people are even doing like if it has enough momentum like breaking down episode by episode and like what this means to the series. So, I mean, it could be a completely, I know correlation is not causation, but I feel like shows that have been released episodically um, have had more sort of interest in the show rather than stuff that kind of got dumped all at once. So I think of stuff like The Handmaid's Tale. I mean, obviously there are a lot of other reasons why book buyers might buy that but Handmaid's Tale got released one after, I mean, I think at least a couple, like two at first, but they were coming out in episodes. But even other like older adaptations, like The Leftovers, Game of Thrones, uh, Game of Thrones has been huge for book sales and I think it's partially because it wasn't all dumped at once. Whereas shows that got sort of all released on the same date, so things like 13 Reasons Why, things like, even like uh, Orange is the New Black, Mm -hmm. uh, I feel like people haven't gone to those books and bought them because People who watch them kind of watch them all at once, and it's not that same kind of ongoing engagement that it is week after week where it is for some of these other shows. I feel that uh, stuff that's sort of released all at once, I mean, obviously you can watch it in any format you want. Like, even if it's all released at once, you could watch it once a week if you had the willpower. But I think most people just sort of watch it until they get tired and then continue watching it till the end. And I think there's like a lower level of engagement. um, I find that shows that, all kind of released at once and I don't kind of measure out I kind of it kind of just washes over me almost like background noise in some cases or I'll like start doing something else while it's on and it's really just to get to the end point of that season or whatever has been released and I think in that way there's a less there's like a lower level of engagement with the material and so less interest in going to uh, to find out the source material find the books that are that it's based on that could be total totally like nonsense psychology but Uh, I have found that like a lot of the, at least sort of anecdotally, a lot of the shows that have been released on HBO or even through Netflix like one after the other or other just regular television, there is that kind of ongoing sales, whereas the one that's sort of released on a date maybe for like a week or two after, there's a lot of interest but then that kind of dies off and maybe it'll return again for the second season but there is that kind of, I think there's just like a longer plateau or a longer sort of like sales, channel for those the ones that are at least week after week
0: journalists such as Brandon Katz have also remarked on this idea of shelf life for a television series depending on its method of release in an article titled for better or worse Netflix has remade event television in its image Katz notes that the whole meal at once approach of Netflix allows a series to burn brighter for a short while but it may not give a show a longer shelf life in the pop culture consciousness you can find the full link to the article in our blog post As Evan mentioned earlier, The Handmaid's Tale is a unique case. Not only has it been a title discussed and studied in school systems for many, many years, but it also has had the added heft of the celebrity status of its author, Margaret Atwood. That was before 2017, and then 2017 happened, and publicity for the novel hit whole new levels, influenced by what the New York Times coined the Trump bump. As sales of dystopian novels spiked, around the time that Donald Trump became the President of the United States.
1: Handmaid's Tale is an interesting uh, case because, I mean, A, the adaptation itself has gotten a lot of acclaim, uh, so like, it's a very good, appa- I haven't seen it, but is it's it? apparently a very good adaptation of the source material, but it's also a book that is has kind of like uh, its literary credentials, so it's not commercial fiction. It's been acclaimed as this kind of like uh, prescient dystopian vision for so long. It's a book that most people who grew up in Canada either had to read or were supposed to read at some point. So I think a lot of people are like, oh, I was supposed to read that in 11th grade, maybe now I should actually get around to doing it. So there are a lot of people like that. Um, but also I feel like it's also a book that also taps into the, the zeitgeist, right? So in addition to Handmaid's Tale at the store, we're also selling a lot of books similar to Handmaid's Tale that don't have current adaptations, so stuff like Brave New World, stuff like uh, uh, It Couldn't Happen Here, uh, stuff like um, 1984, so those are also selling pretty regularly, so the fact that you're kind of tapping into this kind of modern, uh, real dystopia in the U.S., at least as some people see it, and you also have a television adaptation that's happening at the same time, it's kind of this perfect storm of everyone is interested in The Handmaid's Tale again.
0: The perfect storm is right, a bookstore in San Francisco, Booksmith, actually had a mysterious benefactor purchase copies of the books, such as 1984 and The Handmaid's Tale, for the store to leave out for the taking. Store manager Amy Stephenson called it a quiet form of political engagement. Another unavoidable topic is the much discussed and possibly dreaded TV tie-in edition of books, with the exception of 13 Reasons Why, which saw 35% of sales from the TV tie-in edition, all of the series we observed which had tie-ins published saw sales of the tie-ins of more than 50 percent of the total sales during the 24-week period of course people may not be buying these editions because they like them not only may the tv tie-in editions be priced at a lower price point as they're usually paperbacks but they may also be placed and made available in different retail locations compared to the other editions of the books therefore there's a chance they reach a broader or simply just a different audience and then there's a discussion of stock. Do bookstores stock specific covers of a title?
1: Usually we don't. I mean, we have a number of books that are based on TV adaptations, and we try to get if it's available at all the ones that are not the movie tie or movie or TV tie-in covers. Um, I mean, there's a number of reasons for that. In some cases, we aren't able to. So I think for we try to get in the book uh, the beguiled. Uh, that the movie is based on, but they really only had the the movie adaptation, which is unfortunate because I think, A, reading people generally don't like them. I honestly don't understand why people make them. Uh, I feel like, A, people don't like them because they want to look like they've started reading it before they saw the movie, Uh, like they're rereading this book, or like, I know this book is a movie, but I had this book well before this movie or TV got started. Um, so I feel like people don't want to be seen reading one that has, like, movie stars on the cover, uh, or TV stars on the cover, and also I think those covers are often, like, a bit lazier, like, I think they're, obviously they're designers who worked hard on them, but I think there's less thought put into them, it's more just like, we're definitely gonna have to use this image, or one of these three images, and then we'll figure out, like, something interesting to do with the, f- the type, but it's not, like, where it's a book and it's like you have to read the book and figure out better ways to represent it. Instead it's just like, well, we've got these stars, we want to put them on the cover. So I think the like they're not as necessarily well designed and I think for that reason they don't sell as well or that people come in looking for not the tie-in editions. I feel like I don't know if there's a way to like sell them. Cause I mean the reason they do them is so that people recognize them, right? That people are like, oh I saw that movie, oh that's a book. But if there are a way you could like Tear away the cover once you bought it and reveal like the old cover underneath, I feel like that would be a huge innovation.
0: It'd truly be a great interactive innovation. Just out of curiosity, we wondered if Evan had ever encountered a customer who specifically requested a TV tie in edition. No. Well, I guess we and people in general are not fans. And finally, having talked about all these television shows and the great books they're based on, I couldn't resist asking Evan if he had to choose, would he rather his favorite book be made into a TV show or a movie? No, as an option was provided much, much later.
1: It really depends. Like, I think the best, with some exception, the best movies that are made from books are made from like short stories or novellas. Like, there's so much, novels are better suited to television, and like now we're getting to a point where a lot of novels are being adapted to television series, which is great. But I think a lot of times they're trying to cram too much into uh, a short time period for for a movie, and so a lot of important stuff gets left out. So I think a lot of the best movies are made from like short stories or novellas or very short novels. Um, whereas like people are trying always trying to make you know like Anna Karenina into like a movie and they're like that the book have you seen how big that book is like why do you think that makes sense in a two-hour time slot? Uh, so. If it, if it was like one of my favorite TV shows and they said they were, ma- or one of my favorite books and they said they were making it into a TV show, if it was a novel, I think I'd be kind of more relieved. Um, also, I feel like, I mean, this is a, I don't think a, it's an opinion that other people have mentioned before, but I think a lot of times the best TV series and the best movies come from either bad or sort of like non, sort of just like inoffensive uh, books. So I think like the better the book, the harder it is to make a good adaptation of it because people come to it with so many adaptations. Whereas if it's a book that like a lot of people ignored or most people think like oh that wasn't very good, you have the chance to like really kind of highlight certain aspects. Really kind of, I think there's so much more you can do with the adaptation of a bad book. And I think some of the better sort of movies and TV shows have been made from like kind of questionable uh, source material. Um, so like I would prefer if a lot of the books I really love get never get turned into movies or TV shows. No, no is an option. Yeah, uh, and they just sort of like adapt like really bad books <laughs> or books I don't like at all. Uh, and maybe I'll really love the, the movie or TV version of it. Um, but I mean, at the same time, I don't think a bad adaptation has really made me dislike the book if I really love the book.
0: So there you have it. With television still going strong, we'll have to look forward to enjoying the fantastic adaptations of questionable books and the less-than-perfect adaptations of the books we love. Regardless of the quality of the source material or the adapted material, our data shows that sales are likely to be positively influenced, which is still a win. Thanks to Evan for joining me for this month's episode. For more information and to check out some great graphs, find our blog post on the BookNet Canada blog at booknetcanada.ca slash blog. We gratefully acknowledge the financial support from the Government of Canada through the Canada Book Fund for this project. And as always, thanks to you for listening.